0: Wow, man, have we had a great time, huh? God is so good. He's just so good. And um, I'm so, been looking, I I, I know it's kind of weird. I've just been looking so forward to this morning, okay? So not because it's like our last time and I get to go home has nothing, that's not the deal. I don't want you to feel that because that's not what the thing, what it is, is the first night when God was speaking to us about who we are as sons and daughters and that you're his son. You're his girl. (laughs) He loves you. And he is well pleased with you. How many of you sense that was a revelation from the Lord for us, right? It was a, you with me on that? You get it? How many of you receive it? So just participate with me for a minute. Just because we're going to just kind of grab these things. How many of you grabbing a hold of that in your heart that that is who I, that's, I, I got to get that in my soul. I'm a son or I'm a daughter. I'm his and I am loved. And he is pleased with me. Everybody's grabbing a hold. Just kind of reach up and grab it. That's mine. I get that. I get it. Amen? Then yesterday morning we do P3. How cool was that? How God spoke to us. And how together, collectively, God wants to speak to and through all of us. And then this sweet uh, young lady. Is it Janelle? Did I get it right, Janelle? Donnell, God, I was so close. Oh, I tried. But Donnell, how wonderful was that, that we didn't know she was going on the field, going, is it, to Spain? And that and that God gave the word, how beautiful it was. I mean, come on, was that not confirming? I mean, you understand, that's kind of like, dude, that was set up. You know, s- 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 skeptics might feel, but y'all know it. Bueno. I mean, that was like, real. that's God's stuff. That's how God does. I was just telling pastor, do you know how many board meetings I have? that we'll have P3 and we'll have that word. And then in the middle of the board meeting, it'll be a scary moment or a, a faith moment. You know, like, God, I don't know if we can do it. And then when we, they look back at the P3 and say, what do you mean? we? God just told us, don't be afraid. Don't look at what you have around me. Trust, around you. Trust in me. Is God not telling us this? What are we doing? I mean, it starts being where it's all connected, not Disjointed. And so we grab a hold of this revelation, but we also grab a hold of the revelation that God is saying he wants to speak to us. Do you understand how much of a weight can be lifted off of you when you realize you are in a Bermuda Triangle flying through like Pastor Hagen was talking about, Dr. Hagen was talking about, but you don't have to wake up every day and figure it all out. You just got to wake up every day and listen to God. Okay, that's in Texas. That would have been an amen moment right there. You know, that's just gigantic. (sighs) Jesus said, I only say what I hear the father saying. I only do what I see the father doing. How about we function in ministry like Jesus? I don't have to do anything. I just wake up and do what he, what are you doing today? What are you saying today? That's it. I'm the lead follower, not the leader. Okay, you getting it? Oh, we need that P3 because we well, won't pray in the spirit. He's going to give us revelation. Then we come into agreement with it. How many of you grabbing that? You grabbing that? Okay, reach up and grab it. Say, I get that. I grabbed that. I receive that. Then last night, God's telling us, hey, he wants us to keep growing in him. But that the biggest hindrance to our growth is our self-esteem. If we're not careful, we will believe the lies of our family of origin and the lies of the things that are said about us and the traumas in our life. And we will not come into agreement with who God says we are. And that God wants to take you on a journey of pulling back the layers of the onion, you know, type stuff. And, and just to keep letting him change you from glory to ever increasing glory and to the fullness of who he's called you to be. How many of you grabbed that last night and said, I want the fullness of the whole measure of what he has for me. And I'm going to continue to engage in such a way that I let him show me who I am in him. Come on, reach up. And say, I want that. God bring that revelation to me each day. Amen. Receive it. Now, why is that important? Why am I backing up? Because I'm saying every one of those moments were sweet And every one of those moments were major. But every one of those moments were this. A step. To a step. To a step. To what he wants to tell us now. This. This right now is the word everything else had to be established for this moment are you ready we're going to pray that god opens our hearts and our minds because right now is the moment aren't you glad you stayed (laughs) for this moment let's pray god we open our hearts just put your hand over your heart if you want and just say god i just ask you to speak to me show me Bring me revelation personal to me of what you're saying to me. Let my life be everything you want it to be and help me to receive everything you have from me, God. I don't have to have pressure. My ears are open. I just kind of say this prayer if you want to say something like it. In the name of Jesus, I command any and all evil, get out of my mind. My mind is a place of peace for me and you alone. Speak to me, Lord. No distraction. Speak to me. Everybody would that say amen. 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 So I just made this transition to global pastor. Some of you have been asking me kind of, what is a global pastor? It just basically means that I transitioned into a place where our church has become like an Antioch-type church, where we're reaching Antioch, but the Paul and Barnabas factor of, man, it seems like the Holy Spirit's told us to set them apart and send them out on these missionary journeys to build up churches and to raise up elders and to raise up leaders and to multiply it out. And the Lord has spoken to our church that not only are we to reach Dallas and our community and what's going on there, but that God has set Jenny and I apart as apostolic, spiritual father and mother type people. And in our movement, you can't say that. So that's what global pastor means. (laughs) So we're giving our life not to just raise up sons, but to raise up dads. So the life verse for me right now and really has been probably my whole life, it's probably just now it's become clearer than ever, is Malachi 4. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and verse 6. These are the very last verses of the Old Testament. Behold, in other words, open your spiritual eyes and see this. Open your spiritual eyes and see this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to the fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. How many of you sense that we're living in a day where we have all kinds of turmoil around us and that much of it can be traced back to the fatherlessness in our homes? 21 million people being raised right now in homes without a dad. 21 million kids. Now, that's the most fatherless generation raised in our nation besides right after the Civil War right after the civil war, there's like 700 to 800,000. They're not even sure on the numbers. They didn't keep the numbers, kind of like we do now. 700 to 800,000 American men, North and South who were killed, which meant that was probably, that was the most fatherless generation in our uh, statistically speaking and percentage wise in our nation. But that was because dads were dead, not because they weren't home. It's a different psychological thing. There's a difference. They're still not there, but they're here. Their hearts just aren't turned to their kids. But God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah. I'm going to send Elijah. And this, this is going to cause fathers to turn back to their sons and daughters and sons and daughters to turn to their fathers. Why is this such a big deal? I'm telling you, the reason why it's a big deal is because of when fathers are connected to sons and daughters and sons and daughters are connected with fathers and mothers, then there is a transference of spiritual inheritance, we do you understand inheritance of course you do we see it all around us we would hope we were in the line uh, in a lineage of a family who's giving an inheritance wow cool one day i'll get my inheritance think about a guy who owns a business he started it from scratch you guys know guys around the, here i mean even some of you said you know in our community we're known for spam <laughs> you know somebody told i can't remember who was that they, who was it who told me yeah hey we're the spam i said hey welcome uh, you know that's awesome to know you because guess what our my community is we are known as the capital, the, the cement capital of Texas, as if that's something to be proud of. Okay. <laughs> you guys have beauty. I got cement. Okay. And you got spam. I mean, so we got all that. And then you've got uh, different places. So, you know, people who started companies from scratch that have been very successful and their kids grew up and you know, the type of work, a family The, lost the mic or the battery no worries check credit card cash yeah I got it okay here it is okay um where was I oh yeah the family has a business the kids go to school but then after school they show up at the business that's what they're supposed to do y'all know what I'm talking about and then they're learning the trade they're learning the business and then what happens is you know they grow up and they get older they might have gone to college they may go get a degree the dad says you need this kind of degree whatever it is or not go to college, whatever it is and when they do the 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 raising, it comes to a point where it's the time for transferring of the inheritance and the guy takes it over. The guy taking it over, the son, the daughter, they're not having to go get a loan off of nothing. They got something. They they don't have to, their their business isn't about starting something, it's about expanding something. Because they got an inheritance. Now, right now, most of us right now, well, I understand that out there. How does that work in the church? Exactly. Exactly. I I am just submitting to you that perhaps the concept I was raised on of what revival is, is not truly the concept of revival that the Bible is calling us to. That where a sustaining renewal and revival and move of God is, is where there are fathers and sons, mothers and daughters working together where every generation is starting with a spiritual inheritance instead of from scratch. And so they get bigger and better and stronger with every generation of the church. That's a sustaining revival. Instead of it being like, if it was our kind of revival, it would say here. And before the great and dreadful day, God's going to send Elisha. Why wouldn't it be Elisha in our mentality, in our Pentecostal, in my heritage, it would be like, why wouldn't we have the spirit of Elisha is going to come? Because Elisha was the double portion. Come on, doesn't that preach better? We're going to have a double portion revival, a double portion. He did twice the miracles. Come on. We're going to have twice the miracle. I mean, you can preach it. It feels good. But the spirit of Elijah is what's emphasized. Because it's about a transference of spiritual inheritance. It's about a heart that's not focused on what's going on when I got the mic. And what everybody sees with what I'm doing. And how many followers I got of seeing me preach. And hearing me do my thing. It's about an Elijah who raised up somebody who had a double portion. That his heart was for a next generation not just about what he did. Now, he had miracles, he had that, but the focus and the greatness of his life is is what happened after he was gone. This is, I think, huge for us guys, that the spiritual inheritance concept gets in our heart that we understand the emphasis of greatness of the move of God is that every generation will become bigger, better, and stronger. The dream of my life of what God has put in me happened when I was like 23 years old and it's a literal dream. It's not, I'm not talking figuratively, I'm not talking even a vision, I was asleep. And I go to sleep and in the night I have this dream that I'm preaching on an elevated platform, it's an outdoor kind of crusade. I've never literally done that type of thing, but it, it, You know, it's like you'd see on TV with in India or Africa and there's just people all over, you know, on the, sitting on the ground or standing up, you get what I'm saying, you got it in your head? So, I'm in this elevated platform, and there's a podium like this, but it's a wooden podium that's totally blocked. You can't see through it. So, when everybody was looking up, they could see me from here up preaching like this, and God was saving people, and great things were happening, but they couldn't see me from here down. And when I looked down in the dream, there's a cut out square in the platform, and I wasn't standing on the platform. In that hole was my dad, and I was standing on his shoulders. His hands were around my ankles, tears coming down his face. He was praying in the spirit as I stood on his shoulders. And the Lord spoke to me in that dream and said, son, to everyone else, it looks like you're standing on a platform you built for yourself. But in reality, you're standing on the shoulders of your father. I woke up and it was so shaking me. I started praying. I said, God, how how was from you? What do you say? What do you you do? What are you doing? What do you think? I'm going to call dad and thank him tomorrow and tell him about it. But what are you saying to me? He said, son, I want you to know the ministry I'm calling you to will not be defined by what you do on a stage, but it's what you do with your shoulders. It will not be defined by what you do, but who you invite on your shoulders to become bigger, better, and stronger. That's spiritual inheritance. In fact, guys, how many of you have ever heard somebody back in the day when I was a youth pastor, it was very common to hear people say, the revival's coming from the youth. Anybody heard that stuff? Revival's going to start with the youth. It's going to start with the, That's the prophetic. God's going to do it in the youth. And then you got some of the old timers kind of feeling left out. And sometimes they go, let me tell you something right now. We would have revival if we go back to what we used to do. Okay. Revival's going to come from the the sacred ways, the, the holy ways. Get back to our holiness roots. Get back to our praying. And there's nothing wrong with either side of it except for both are wrong. According to the scripture in Acts 2, Peter says the prophetic word from Joel was, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit, not just on youth, not just on old, but I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. My sons and my daughters are going to prophesy. The young men are going to see visions, and the old men are going to dream dreams. It's going to be both generations. It's going to be on men's service, maid service, prophesy. Everybody's going to be flowing, and it's going to be old men Having a dream for the bigger, better, stronger generation coming behind—they ain't living for old days. Those who are living for old days are living for their day. Those who are dreaming about a new day are living with a heart for their sons, and the sons have a vision. Man, what if we could do? Look at what God. Look what God's doing now, man. Look at the inheritance we have. We don't have to start from scratch. We can expand this thing. It's when the generations come together with a heart for each other. I honor you, Dad. I honor your work. I honor your faithfulness. I honor your wisdom. Even when you may not be able to move as fast, do what you used to do. That... Treasure is inside of you. And I just want to be next to you and honor you. That sets you up for inheritance. This is why it says, Elijah will come, not Elisha will come. Because it's speaking to what? Father. Who has the right heart. Why Elijah? Well, you know Elijah. Elijah prophet calls fire down out of heaven pretty cool story but he gets in a place where he feels alone he says man I'm by myself anybody prayed that prayer and God reminded him now there's 7,000 heaven bowed let me give you a fresh vision there's a young man who's at this farm you don't know him but I'm sending you to him his name's Elisha he's going to be your son. And Elijah on the instructions of God went and found this young man who's plowing at a very successful farm, very successful inheritance in the natural just the number of plow the plows and cows and cattle he had. I mean, he's just like this guy's this is prolific farm. And so he's Comes to him and he doesn't even say a word. He just puts the mantle on his shoulder and somehow that translate he understands. Elisha goes, "This guy's a man of God with an incredible anointing, and he's inviting me to come into that anointing." And he broke the plows, sacrificed his earthly things. He said, "That's the inheritance I want." And he came unto the prophet, washed his hands. The scripture, that was part of his resume. There's a prophet in Israel. Really? What's his name? It's Elisha. I've never heard of him. I know Elijah. Who's Elisha? Oh, he's the one who washed the hands of Elijah all those years. That's his resume. He walked with him, prayed with him, served with him. And then you know the story that Elijah doesn't die. He's taken up into heaven. We pick up that story on the day that that happens in 2 Kings chapter 2. And here you're going to see something. You Ready? It's going to be on the screens. If you want to look it up, that's great. Second Kings 2, verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord sent me to Jordan. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it and the water divided to the right and the left. Come on, that's crazy. And the two of them crossed over on dry land. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, you have asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me, when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and Talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. What is he saying? First of all, there's a declaration of who Elijah is to him. He is his spiritual father. This is Elijah, who he is: a father. My father, my father, chariot and horsemen of Israel. Translated, it's like this. Father, father, what are we gonna do with you gone? We have no hope. We've got chariots, we've got horses, but we don't know where to put them, what to do. You're the one who always tells us from God where the battle's gonna be and how to win. We're doomed without you. That's basically what he's saying on that. You get it? Help us, dad. What are we gonna do? It says, Elisha saw him no more, and then he took hold of the garment and tore it into his own. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The Spirit of... Yeah, we know it's the Spirit of God. But it's the spirit of God that was in his dad. Spiritual inheritance. The spirit of Elijah has now rested on Elisha. And they went to him and bowed to the ground before him, basically saying, we now submit to you and recognize you are the new father. And the spirit that was on Elijah is now in you. Now, you know the story Elisha went on. Did he get a double portion? Yeah, he actually did twice of the miracles. The miracles we know Elijah did, he did listed in the Bible two times exactly the number of miracles. I mean, there's a double portion. Come on, isn't that amazing? Yes. Yeah. So when Elijah left, he didn't leave a vacancy. It wasn't like he needed to leave a list of to-dos for Israel to stay right. He left him with a man of God who had double the anointing. I just said that was a whole lot right there. I mean, we can even write books. There ain't nothing wrong with that. That's cool legacy stuff. to bring. But you know what's better than a book? Leaving a son who becomes a father who has a double portion. You know what's better than having my recordings for people to listen? Oh, man, I've got such wisdom. I have such truth. I hope everyone is able. I need to make sure I have my podcast available for everyone to hear. You know what's better than hearing me preach? Hearing the thousand sons I raise up preach who have a greater anointing than me. Because they started where I left off. My ceiling was their floor. They're on my shoulders. Gosh this is what is talking about here that the the spiritual inheritance why Elijah not Elisha it was Elijah now I want you to play play a game with it. everybody look up here cuz I know everybody in here has read the bible at least 15 times over I know many of you read the bible through every year now it's in this instance probably the only instance in my life I wish you wouldn't have it's kind of a play on thought that if you because you've read it you know what happens And I wish right now, perhaps you didn't know what happens. Kind of like seeing a movie. I wish I could go back and watch Star Wars all over and I could just wipe my memory and I didn't know anything about it. And I could just go watch it again. Come on, you know, there's things like that. I just wish I could go do it for the first. Right now, because you know the Bible, you know what happens. But for a moment, try to not know it. Because I want you to play out what should have happened, not what did happen. Elijah left, said, what do you want? a double portion. That's a difficult thing because with the double portion comes a responsibility to raise up somebody else to get that from you. So Elisha gets it. He does the double anointing. He does the double miracles. He lives in his day. He is the great prophet. He is the one who leads Israel with strength. So what does that mean? When he's done, come on, What's set, what's in reason? If he got a double portion and he got somebody else and they asked for a double portion, he's now getting a quadruple portion. How awesome would that be? What would happen with that guy and with the next? And yet we look in the scripture in 2 Kings chapter 13 and it's now elisha's time and it says now elisha had been suffering from the illness which he died jehoash king of israel went down to him and wept over him and what did he say how i don't know Even though I've read the Bible several times through, I never connected this until God showed this. He says the exact same thing Elisha said. I didn't even see it. My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. He's saying the same thing. You're our spiritual father, not just my, the king saying, you're not just my father. You're the father of our nation. And what are we going to do when you're gone? What's Elisha's response? Elijah's response is, here's the mantle. Elisha's response is, hey, go get some arrows. Get the bow in your hand. Okay, shoot out the east window. Shoot. And the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Afek. Then he said, take the arrows. He took them. Strike the ground. He struck it three times and then stopped. Man, God got angry. Why did you do that? You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you would have defeated him only three times. He's leaving them with a to-do list about the immediate issues of the moment. On his deathbed, he's going, let me tell you how to handle the debt. Okay, this is what you're going to do. Go talk to Bob. He's our best donor. Go talk to him. Handle this. And then here's what you need to do is make sure you set this up. He's given a to-do list. He's giving the momentary. And then he's mad when the guy only strikes it three times. Like, man, what are you doing? Should have five or six. Now I'm going to die. And now you're going to be without it. So then it says, Elisha died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Kind of just a weird transition. <laughs> Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. And when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Now I've heard this passage preached a couple of different ways and probably only a couple of ways. Man, that guy, that king should have hit that ground more times. Don't you give up. Just keep hitting that ground. You've heard that one? Nothing wrong with it. That's a cool takeaway on it. I don't think that's the primary takeaway. The anointing of God's on a man that even when his bones are in a grave, so powerful. Man, that's the anointing we want to have. Even from the grave. Somebody touch your coffin. They'll come back to life a dead man. That's also awesome. that's a power of God. That isn't an exciting, that is not an exciting passage. That is a depressing passage that a man of God with a double portion could have handed it off to a quadruple portion, but it's wasting away in a grave. Buried potential. It's like going to a funeral and you hear somebody who is a great man of God, a great woman of God. And they're up going, what an incredible man of God. What an unbelievable woman of God. There'll never be another one like this. That's not a compliment. I pray at my funeral, they'll be saying things. What a great dad. What a great father. There will be thousands upon thousands like him. will do greater things notice he says father father so Elisha it's not Elijah's a father and Elisha isn't they're both fathers it's just one turned his heart to his son and the other turned his heart towards his day his own ministry his own hour his own double portion moment Malachi says it's the spirit of Elijah that is going to bring the blessing that will sustain and break the curse. And that's when every single one of us in this room get a vision that says the greatness of my life will not be defined by a stage, but by who's on my shoulders. And not just one. Not just to, listen, in my 20s, when God gave me that dream about my shoulders, I told God, I don't know who's gonna be the successor, who's gonna take my place when my time comes, but I will do this. I will raise up as many sons and daughters on my shoulders as I can. You pick which one you choose. My job is to raise them up. Your job is to place them. Now, I want you to just play out in your mind. I know, you know how prophecies, have uh, many times a double meaning. Like it's speaking of two different things. So we know like right now, I believe what I'm talking about is the day we're living in right now, that this is the day that God is doing this. I think right now, like what I'm doing and raising up spiritual fathers is not something I have to wake up every day and ask God to put his hand on because I don't need his hand on something that's in the middle of his heart. I'm in what he's doing, not needing him to do, help me on what I'm doing. But we know that Jesus said that when John the Baptist came, remember they said, hey, doesn't the Bible say Elijah's got to come first? He said, I tell you, he has come. It's John, right? Everybody with me on this? So if John's the type of Elijah, what does that make Jesus, who he says the one coming after me, I can't even, what does that make Jesus a type of? Elisha. Walk with me. He's the Elisha who got it right because he died and was put in a grave with the ultimate anointing, the double portion, greatest anointing ever. But he came up and said, now that same spirit that is in me is in you. Come on, are you getting the revelation here? And I want you to to see it. You think, ah, that's a stretch, not a stretch. Go to John. Because in the book of John 14, verse 11, Jesus says it straight out. You ready for this? Get ready for your heart to just be like, boom, exploded with, this is unbelievable. Watch this. Believe me, Jesus says. Philip's going, hey, if you just showed us the Father, that would be enough. Can I tell you that's exactly what every single person in our nation is asking for, even around the world right now? If you just give me a dad, if I just had a dad... Just give me the Father. Every one of us long for the Father, long for a Father. And he says, Philip, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Basically, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you don't believe that, at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. What works? Then he says, very truly, I tell you. Remember, we're talking about fathering here. And that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. So let me tell you about the Father who is in me and that heart of the Father. He says, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. There are so huge things here. Listen to what it is. First of all, it's talking about a spiritual inheritance. He's saying, he's saying here that I am, the Father's in me, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and let me tell you what the heart of the Father beats for. I am believing that everything I'm going to show you, I'm spending three years of my life every single day with the 12 of you so that the whole world will know about me. I'm giving myself as a father to you. I'm fathering you so that what? So that you'll do the same works I'm doing, but you know what's in my heart for you? That you're going to do it even better than me. I'm not competing with you. I'm giving you an inheritance so you can go to another place. You're going to do greater works because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the father and make way for your time. Okay, somebody's got to hear that. We got the average age of our senior pastors in the Assembly of God being 61, which means half are over. Nothing wrong if you're still in the place when God's called you to be, but when you have not stepped out because that's where your identity is and what you're doing, not about your sons, God's wanting to turn your heart to those who are coming that you make way for. I go to the Father. The Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now going to be In you, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you. He's going to empower you. And I'm going to go to the father and anything you need, you ask me because I'm standing right by the father. And I'm going to go, Hey, Hey, he needs some help. Hey, he needs some help over here. Hey, this guy over here. He said, come on. We want him to do greater things. Let's help him do greater things. That's the role of a father. I make room for my son. And then I stand back and let him do what he's supposed to do on my shoulders with that inheritance. And I stand back here interceding for him, praying for him, not interrupting saying, no, you're doing it wrong. No, I stand back here. And when he needs help, I come alongside. And what does he say? I will do this for you because the father is glorified in what you do through the son. In other words, the glory of a father is what? In what his son does. Right. 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 A couple of months ago, I sat with my wife. She said, you know, I felt like God gave me something today. I said, what? She said, I feel like God told me that it's just going to be a few years. And people aren't even going to remember we pastored. I said, what do you mean? She said, what we're doing now is going to be so huge and so powerful and so life-changing. When people say, oh, yeah, he used to pastor that church. He did? Where did he pastor? Because who we are will not be defined by what we did. But about all of the fathers, all the sons and daughters raised up to be fathers. Do you realize how God identified himself? You don't ever see it in the scripture. I am the God of Moses and Joshua. He never says, I am the God of Elijah and Elisha. How does he introduce himself? How does he speak of himself and the essence of who he is as the great I am and father? He could choose to identify himself any way he does once, but how does he do it? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of a father who raised up a father, who raised up a father, who became a nation that impacted the world. Proverbs says, the wisdom, a wise man does this. He gives an inheritance to who? His children's children. The greatest thing I can do as a dad for my grandkids is to give them a great dad. But the greatest thing I can give to my grandchildren is not just to give them a great dad, who his whole life is about having a great son, but to give him a dad who's dreaming about their son becoming a great dad. There's a lot of pastors who love having sons all around them, groupies. People who are in their entourage. And if anybody's going to go plant a church, what do you mean you're going to plant a church? What do you mean you're going to do that? You can't leave me. I've paid you for 10 years. I've done all this for you. You can't can't go do that ministry. You're on my staff. As if the whole goal is that I poured in you so you could help me fulfill the vision, like your machinery for my vision to be accomplished. Instead of my vision is about you getting in the place God's called you to do and what you do be greater. That's when revival sustains. That's when I wonder what it would look like. If every generation of the church got bigger and better and stronger, every generation bigger and better and stronger, every generation started with a spiritual inheritance instead of starting from scratch. And that's when the hearts of the fathers are turned to their sons. And sons and daughters are turned in honoring fathers and mothers. So I'll just close with this thought and then I wanna pray for you. I just turned 51 in July. In May, Chris and Kara Rayleigh became the pastors, the lead pastors of Oaks Church, a church that I've been at for 31 years. I've been there since I was 19 years old with my dad. And in 2001, 20 years ago, I became the pastor. About a year and a half, two years ago, I began to just feel in my heart just thinking, you know, I'm 50, I'm going to be 50, and I kind of have in my mind maybe it's 60 will be my transition because I already had it since I was 20, so I'm going to be a father. I mean, we've had 600 people come out of our church in full-time ministry now, over 600. In the 30 years I've been there, over 600 that we can count have come out of our church that are in full-time ministry right now. We've planted 22 churches. I mean, you see, I'm not just preaching. So you can see that it just explains. It's like, ugh, right? You can feel even kind of like, I don't know how to say it, how much I feel it. And, and I'm telling you, what we do in the church backs that up. Okay, so it's not like I'm just saying stuff. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's who I am. So I felt like... God just put in my heart, like, hey, you need to start getting ready for transition. I'm, that makes sense, because I've been doing that. You know, I came into my office every day since in my 20s, and I came to the office, and I wouldn't always say it out loud, but multiple times I would do it in a week, and I would just go, this isn't my office. It's your office. I'm a steward of this office. I don't own this office. When I'd be on the front row about to preach, I'd say, I don't own that pulpit. This isn't my church. These aren't my people. This is not my staff. This is your staff. This is your people. This is your podium. This is your church. I'm a steward. I don't own it. I'm a steward. And so I open my hands and just say, show me what to say. Tell me what to do. And in the moment you tell me I'm to open-handedly hand it off, God, I'm in. You know why? Because you don't just wake up one day 65 and go, hey, I'm going to hand this off. It's something that every day you've been saying, what turns the crank in my soul the glory of this father is my son, not this Mike. So as I started praying about it, I felt one day that God told me, Chris and Kara Rayleigh are gonna be the next pastor. And I go, I love them, that's great. I mean, that's in my heart. I, go, I would love that, that's great. But there's only one problem. I'm transitioning when I'm 60, He's 42 right now. That means he'd be 52. That's not a very good time for him to transition. He needs to to be younger, not 52 taking the church. Is everybody listening to me in the natural? You hearing it? That doesn't make sense. Take 52. Man, I don't know. He's ready now. He's not, that. he needs to get in now. That will delay. That will, that will stunt his growth. That's going to hit, that's going to be front. That's like, that's like, or maybe he's going to go pastor somewhere else. And then he's going to come. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. And the Lord said, you're right. None of that makes sense because he's ready now. <laughs> come on. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? See, a dad doesn't just make decisions based on when they're ready. They make decisions when their son's ready. Because if the glory of a father's in the son, you look at once the son's ready. Because when the son's ready, that means I'm ready for what I'm supposed to do. And God says, he's ready. You're ready. You move into the greatest days of your life and everything I've made you to be. Pastor, I appreciate how you said the courage and this isn't, that it really looks like courage, but it's not courage as much as it's just obedience with incredible, massive excitement that this is what I was born Four, I'm living in the greatest days of my life. Let me tell you something. Pastoring is awesome. When you're right there in the smack dab middle of what God's called you to do and you're doing it and the anointing and the grace is there. How many of you know when the grace lists? It isn't awesome. But let me tell you something. It's great. And in our movement, it's been exalted to the highest place of I am a senior pastor, I am a lead pastor. And then if you're a mega church lead pastor and you're doing so, oh, I have to reach the top. No, that wasn't to the top. I'm, I'm at a higher place now, guys. I didn't resign. I didn't retire. I transitioned to an apostolic spiritual father who is now spending time with the greatest pastors in America and those who are going to be future greatest pastors in America, who are going to raise up the next greatest pastors in America, who are going to raise up the next generation of the greatest pastors. I'm in the business of raising fathers who are going to raise fathers who are going to raise fathers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hmm. And when you get that vision, you won't be thinking about how long can I hold on to this? You'll be thinking, who can I hand it off to so I can build up 50 more? Changes the game. Dads make decisions, not just on base when they're ready, but when their sons are ready. So the revival can be sustained. Amen. How many of you in here right now say, I'm not sure if I get all of it. But I want to get all of it. And I want the anointing of being a father and a mother. I want that anointing on my life so that I don't live my life like an Elisha, just happy about, let me tell you the miracles, what happened in my day. Let me tell you about 20 years ago, what happened with us. Let me tell you, no, the thing is, let me tell you about my son. Let me tell you what my kids are doing. Let me tell you about the churches we just played. Let me tell you about, come on, you get what I'm saying? Amen. That's not a decision you make at 60. That's a decision you make in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or wherever you're at now. So if you're with me, I want to pray that over you. And I believe right now there is, because I've stepped into this, there's kind of that apostolic type deal that is I pray for you. And if you, if you come into a position to receive, there, I, I've been doing this now for like the last three or four months. There is something that happens that's really powerful, that there are people walking out transformed. There is a true transformation of heart. If you want that, send to your feet. This is a great moment. Come on. I'm just going to pray over you. Would you just put your hands out kind of in a receptive way? God's going to do it. It's not me, but I'm going to just pray that on you in that way. And I'm going to just pray. God gives you that. So let's just begin to pray in the spirit right now. All across the room. Just begin to pray. <speaking in Spanish> The <laughs> We all desire to be at the center of your will, in the center of your heart. And that's why right now this isn't something we've got to strive for. This is something we just need to receive because it's what you're doing. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every man in this room right now to receive an anointing, to receive a grace, to receive a, a blessing in their heart that their hearts are now being turned to those who will be on their shoulders. The next generation of fathers they're going to raise up. I pray, Lord, right now you're anointing me upon your blessing financially upon them. You're blessing spiritually upon them. You're blessing in their soul and in their mind and in their identity that they find security in you and their heart in you, their identity in you, so that they say, Man, my whole life is about my sons and daughters. God, I pray right now for moms, ladies in this room right now, that there would be an anointing of nurturing and love and grace upon them, that they would not think of mothering as a secondary thing. That they wouldn't think that, man, when I'm a speaker, when I'm a preacher, when I'm a a proclaimer, or when I'm a great Bible teacher, thank you for those gifts. But the greatest gift that the ladies in this room can give is to nurture and to love young ladies and young men to become great men and women of God and fathers and mothers. Lord, let that anointing come upon them. Let that anointing come upon them. That Lord, they're raising them up and releasing them as fathers and mothers. I pray right now that this ministry network that represents the state of Minnesota would be a model of what it looks like to be fathers of fathers of fathers mothers of mothers of mothers and that it would be a model for those in the church who don't even have a dad that they would see what it looks like to have a dad with no strings attached somebody who cares about them with no strings attached I pray right now against all pride, against all competition, against everything that would contradict the heart of a dad that just says I want to help you I want to serve you. I want you to get on my shoulders. I want you to do bigger, better, and stronger. We open our hands and say we're stewards, not owners. Come on, say it right now. I do not own my staff. I'm a father, a mother to this staff, to this team, to raise them up to be great fathers and mothers themselves. I do not own the church that I pastor. You own it. It is your church. I am a steward. Everything I have has been given from you, and I will steward it well, and I will raise up sons and daughters the best I know how and release them to become bigger, better, and stronger. I pray that anointing now be released upon this house and these people in Jesus' name. Okay, I have two minutes to give you what I feel like as I prayed. God gave us practical instructions. How many of you know you? We need an anointing, but then beyond the anointing, we can't. Okay, so what do I do? Here's what you do no matter how old you are right now. So first of all, I'm focusing on those that would consider themselves young. Yes, I'm talking to you, Clarence St. John, yes. (laughs) Fathering is not an age, it's a heart. You can be a youth pastor in this room and be a spiritual father. You need to tell everybody, I'm a dad. No, just be one. A dad says, I want you to do greater things. My ministry isn't about me looking good. It's about me helping you become everything God wants you to be. That's father. That's mother. You can do that at any age. Get it? Second thing, young people, quit waiting for somebody to come be your dad and mom, and you go be their son and daughter. Could I just, the next trip you go on, could I go with you? Hey, is there something I could, are you running an errand today? Could I go with you? Just want to be with you. Could I carry you back? Could I? Is there any time you're praying that make it's okay if I come in and pray with you? And so I just want to learn for you. I just want to, I want to receive what you have. I want to, I just want to be with you. I just want to serve you. Don't need anything. Maybe you're a lead pastor and there's another pastor. You go, the heart they have and who they are and what they're doing. Oh, man. I don't want to be them. But I want that type of, that's who I am. It resonates with me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? How about find out what are they doing? Are they in a building campaign? How could you give to help them in their building? I'm not just talking to the church. Maybe that's something, but you personally Are they trying to accomplish a vision? How could you help them in their conference and get 20 people come to it? How could you build what they have a vision to do? See, that's being a son. And when you do that, that's like Elisha saying, can I wash your hands? Where are we going today? Well, you stay here, I'm going, I ain't leaving you. I'm with you, he said, well, as long as you're with me, you get the inheritance. See, that's when you posture yourself for inheritance. And when you think, well, I ain't gonna be with them no more. They ain't got anything to give. That's the secret. It's in those moments of honor that the treasure that's in them is deposited because you honor and respect even when there's no strings attached that you're getting anything. Those of you who are of mature age, just say, God, help me today. Who's somebody I can help? Who's somebody I can pour in? Who's somebody I could give them a heads up? You say, well, what does that even look like? How could I help? Derek does this. How could, I've had like three people tell me here, Derek helps me with that. Derek does that for me. How can, how can I help this guy meet somebody they need to meet? One last story. We'll be done because it fits the illustration. One of my spiritual sons is Alan Kendrick. Alan and Amanda came to our school of ministry. He didn't have a dad. God kind of just put us together that way. He grew up there. Went out to Visalia first with Mike. He was a young adult pastor there. did great. He thought he was going to go to Stephen Furtick's church and go on staff there. But he came to a CMN conference. And at the conference, I told him, I said, dude, you got to pray, man. I don't think that's the deal. I think you're supposed to leave. I think you're supposed to play it, man. I don't want to play it. I think you are, man. You need to pray about it. And in that service, God hit him. They drove from that CMN service. They live in California, Vesalia. Visalia. And they drove to South Carolina, Columbia. And when they were there, God told them, this is where you're to launch a church. And last Sunday, two Sundays ago, they launched with 350 people. But as I was with him on Saturday night before the launch, he sat down and he said, you know how you talk about spiritual inheritance and stuff? I said, yeah. He goes, you want me to tell you spiritual inheritance? Let me tell you spiritual inheritance. I just told Amanda, this is spiritual inheritance. Last week... Columbia University, I'm sitting at the president's table with John Maxwell, the president, and the two largest donors of the university, not millionaires, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world am I sitting here? And then it hit me guy sitting next to me, you met in Israel at a John Maxwell Israel trip. You and John were there doing this, and you met him. And you said, you live right there in Columbia? We're launching a church there. you got to meet Alan. He, you will love him. And so you texted us both, put us in a group text, introduced us to each other. And here's the guy who is the chairman of the board of Columbia University who took me to the Chamber of Commerce and took me to the mayor and said, hey, this is Alan. He's planning a church here. Give him your card. Give him your card. Y'all need to meet. You need to meet him. He's very important. What's going to happen in the city? You need to meet him. Get him his card. Okay, y'all get set it up. He's telling the mayor. He goes to other business guys. Hey, you live right down the road. You need to help this guy. Give him your card. Give him your card. And he said, you come sit with me at the president's table. I want you to meet the president. I want you to meet everybody. And he's sitting there and he goes, I'm sitting where I shouldn't be because I have a dad. How can you do whatever you can do to set people up at another place where your shoulders, your ceiling is their floor? Amen. I love you. I love you. I love you. This is like, I love Texas, but I'm telling you, this is like a home away from home. You people, in my heart, I love you. And I'm telling you, man, I just believe in you. And I'm so glad we're connected, Pastor. Bless you guys.